everybody, and welcome back to Getaway Day. It is January 2023. This is now the third calendar year that Gautam and I have been podcasting, and I am really freaking excited, uh, which I guess probably should mention for those of you who may not know. I am Mason. With me, as always, is my best friend and co-host, Gautam. How are you doing, buddy? How was your holidays? What are you looking forward to in the new year? Uh, happy New Year, and my holiday was great. Uh, lots of time off. I'm very exhausted today after going back to work, but uh, got another exciting season ahead of us of uh, baseball and getaway day, and we've got some great things in store for our listeners, and um, yeah, looking forward to it. Same, and we will uh, we'll kind of get to those um, things that we've got in store here in a bit. I kind of want to use that as our build up to our main topic today, but I think we do need to probably go back and finish up some of the free agent talk. Uh, and I say finish up. It's looking like we got a long ways to go on one of these. I'm so confused. Uh, and of course I'm talking about Carlos Correa and I think we had recorded our last episode of 2022 before before he we, signed, before, before he had accepted out. a deal with the Mets, right? So <clears throat> he had he had agreed to a deal with the San Francisco Giants for twelve Thir- years and three hundred thirteen years and three hundred and fifty million dollars. Um, it came out the day we recorded our last podcast uh, that there were some concerns with his physical by the Giants, so. That's kind of where we were left in the dark, but Gowie, what uh, what has happened since? Because it makes no sense to me. So if you could share or like shed any light on this, I would appreciate it. Yeah. So the day that his press conference with the Giants, his intro press conference was canceled. That same night, uh, it broke in the middle of the night that Carlos Correa is signing a twelve-year deal for three hundred and. Uh, I don't remember what the number is now, but 300 some million, 315 million for 12 years with the New York Mets. So Steve Cohen pounced in uh, when the Giants were kind of uh, balking at the, the physical results. And they clearly like were not comfortable making that kind of long term commitment for Correa. Steve Cohen jumps in and, you know. He gets a discounted deal in some ways because, you know, he's paying less. He he got he gave Correa one fewer year. Um, Correa takes his physical on Thursday of that same week, and basically since then we haven't heard. Well, we heard immediately, like the day after that, we heard that the Mets themselves had their own concerns with Correa's physical, the same issue that the Giants had flagged which was his um ankle or his leg which he had injured back in 2014 when he's a minor leaguer he's never missed any time due to that injury but he's got a plate in his leg that sometimes causes him some um discomfort i guess and both the medical staffs of the the giants and now the mets um are very concerned about that and Basically, since then, we've been in the dark, and it's been nearly two weeks now since he took his physical with the Mets. Yeah, and there's been uh, some pictures popping up on his Instagram of him wearing a boot over Christmas, too. So I'm very confused as to what's happening there. I really hope we hear something soon because he is... I don't know if generational player is necessarily the right term, but he's kind of... He's a really, really, really good player. One of the best shortstops of this current class um, of of and current class, not just the 2023 free agents, but like the current era of baseball. He is one of the top three shortstops, hands down. So with this injury from 2014, all of a sudden becoming an issue, two contracts maybe falling through. Not really sure. Maybe just one. Maybe he does still sign with the Mets, but. It's been two weeks. Like something's got to happen soon, right? 
Right. And today we got another report, which I haven't looked into super closely, but they were saying that if he does agree to a deal with the Mets, it will be drastically different than the one that was initially agreed upon. So maybe it has something to do with um, IL days due to that injury or something like along those lines or just a shorter contract in general. Yeah, because I had seen something that they were starting to ask about different uh, clauses and things that could be included in the contract that have never been used before. So it does seem like they're trying to get something done. It just hasn't happened yet because there's a lot of uh, intricacies with the contract. Um, now, that could it end up meaning that he doesn't accept it. So we still don't really know. He's basically back in the pre-agreeing to any contract phase, I would assume. Well, it's he's in a way worse not. position, right? Well, he's, yes. But he's lost all his leverage when two different teams are pushing you aside after they've already signed you. Like, I think it's like hard to... like. It's so unusual, this situation, that it's been nearly two weeks. I realize Christmas and New Year like came in the, in the middle of that, but still, the fact that we haven't had any resolution yet on this situation is very weird. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, I, I kind of want to go ahead and move on because like at this point, it's just us speculating. And I don't know that that is doing us or him um, much service. Uh, but we do have a couple other free agents that have signed uh, here since we had our last um, episode. Uh, first being Gene Segura. Uh, for two years and $17 million to the Miami Marlins. So what do you think of that deal? It is rumored that he will be playing third base for the Marlins, which makes sense with Jazz Chisholm. Um, and, I mean, it really doesn't make sense because Jazz should be playing short. Segura yeah, should be playing right. second. And then Miggy I mean, Rojas should just not exist. But uh, Miggy Rojas at short, Jazz Chisholm at second, Gene Segura at third. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not really a fan of this move at all for the Marlins because, like you're saying, they've got their one-star player in Jazz Chisholm. He's a, they've decided he's a second baseman, and they basically signed another second baseman because that's what Segura has been for years now. Uh, he's never played third base in his career, and he's a fine player, but he's a league average player. That's not what the Marlins need. They need, like, above average offensive players that lineup is just downright like awful it's one of the worst lineups in the national league and it's really not better now so uh, i'm gonna make a comparison here and it's i'm gonna have to make a caveat it's a comparison to a what we know now not a when the deal happened but it reminds me a lot of the uh jesus aguilar it's just like he's a fine player he ended up just being okay at best. He wasn't coming off an amazing season um, in Jesus Aguilar, but like it seems like they're trying to make like this good player from a good team is now on the Marlins and trying to get people hyped up, but they're getting Jesus Aguilar. They're getting Gene Segura. Solaire was a lot better signing in my opinion, but it still didn't really pan out last year. The two big signings they made last year in Jorge Solaire and Abisayeli, Garcia, they both kind of made sense at the time because they were like solid offensive performers. They just both had really terrible seasons and injuries and stuff. So I could see those guys bouncing back a little bit and helping them out, but they need more, more, more bats to go along with their pitching staff, which is, you know, very good to one of the best um, probably yeah. in the National League. So I, I don't understand the Marlins' direction. They, clearly haven't shown a willingness to go out and make the moves that they need to in, in free agency. Yeah. They missed and, out on all the impact bats basically. And my guess is that that's nothing on Kimming. I'm guessing that that is more on the ownership because this is a franchise that if you remember whenever it sold, there was all this talk about how the Marlins were just bleeding money, which is BS. I, they were still making money. Um, but like, they were trying to get the um, get the team's finances under control and trying to make it so that they're actually generating more revenue. They sold off all their good players, tried to cut salary, um, and we're still kind of in that 
point where they've not turned it back around to spending. Like they went out and got a GM who uh, in Kimming who um, had a really nice career as the assistant GM at the White Sox for a while. She came over here. She's made some good moves, extending Sandy Alcantara um, and a couple other things. But like she hasn't really had any pieces to trade. And it doesn't seem like she's been giving money to go out and improve through free agency. So they're kind of just in a rut. Yeah, and, and I do worry that she's going to get blamed for it, but they didn't give her anything to start with. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm not going to really give her that much credit though, because yeah. even the other moves other than Soler and um, Garcia, who didn't haven't worked out to this point, there's still years left on their contracts, but they traded for uh, Joey Wendell. He was below average as an offensive player traded for Jacob Stallings. He was pretty bad. I mean, none of the moves have panned out. True, but they were all kind of guys who were kind of in that same boat with their old teams too. I guess. Yeah. Like it's, it's not like they just fell off a cliff. That's who they were. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's a really weird situation. Um, but yeah, the, the Marlins, I guess they signed a free agent this year, but not really flattered by it at all. I know a lot of people have talked about them trading a starting pitcher for a bat. In theory, that kind of makes sense. But considering how weak the rest of their club is, other than starting pitcher, if you if you start trading from from like the one strong part of your team, your team's probably not really actually going to get better, in my opinion. Yeah. The the good thing for them though is that they do have upper minors strength in pitching as well. So like it, it would be trading from strength, but they do have a seemingly endless pool of really, really highly talented pitchers. Um because Max Meyer will be close this year. Max Meyer's um, out of the season. What? Yeah, Tommy John, yeah. Well, this is unfortunate. How did I not yeah, know so, that? So you're exactly proving my point that the starting pitching depth is sort of an illusion. It does. It can dry up very, very quickly. Fair. Because of injuries, underperformance. I mean, I, I'm very disappointed in the Marlins. I thought they could be a lot better than they are. Yeah. As soon as that rotation got good here a couple of years ago in 2020, whenever they made the expanded playoffs in the shortened season, like it seemed like maybe they were turning a corner and that just, no, they ran straight into the corner and busted their head open is what they did. Um, yeah, they're not going to be oh, a good well. team this year. So let's move um, on to a, a better team. Yeah. So next guy we got Craig Kimbrell. Dirty Craig, namesake of our recording bot for uh, the audio here, uh, with a one-year, ten million dollar deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. What do you so think? Craig Kimbrell. I mean, I'm not sure if he's going to be like in his closer role that he's held for basically his entire career now, but I think there's a good chance that he can bounce back and be like a solid contributor to their bullpen this season. He he did not have a good year with the Dodgers, but it, his season was kind of like split into two parts. The first half of the season, he was pretty decent. And then something happened um, where his, his fastball and his curveball were just like not that effective anymore. There is a chance that he's just like over the hill now and he's never going to get it back. But I feel like he's got at least another good season in him. I don't mind it yeah. for the Phillies. And uh, to be honest, I, I kind of still like the move from the Phillies perspective because we talked all last year, including up until the, the World Series, about how their bullpen was in abyss. Um, that and it freakishly got hot in the playoffs for about three weeks. Yeah, at least with Kimbrell, like, y- you know what his peak is and you're not going to get it. But you know that you're going to probably get somewhere between or somewhere in the middle of of his peak and his absolutely awful, which is still a solid reliever. Um, If he can find a little bit more effectiveness there in his fastball, he'll be fine. He's not going to be the lockdown guy, but I do think that he gives this bullpen just a little bit of. um, Of. uh, A solid base. Yeah. To build upon. And then you've got your Jose Alvarado, who's your 
absolutely uh, flame-throwing lefty and some other pieces that would complement really well with a solid and decently effective Kimbrel. So I like the move personally, and it's only one year. Like, it's not like it's that big a deal. Yeah. So good move. Yeah. Uh, then we got Nate Avaldi, who went to the Texas Rangers for two years. Uh, let's see. Two years, $34 million, $2 million signing bonus, 16 mil per year, and then a $20 million option um, if he throws 300 innings combined in the two years of his deal. Yeah, I love this move in contrast to how much I don't like the Segura move because what the Rangers have done in one offseason is take their biggest weakness, starting pitching, and turn it into maybe their biggest strength behind Jacob deGrom. Uh, they brought in uh, John Gray last year. They also added Martin Perez back on the qualifying offer, and they brought in uh, Andrew Heaney. So when Nate Evaldi is your number four or number five, like you're in really good shape. If the guy stays healthy, which is a big if with him, um, he's a super effective mid of the, middle of the rotation starter. So, I mean, I love what, what the Rangers are doing right now. Yeah, this is a, it's a big difference from last year's Rangers team. And I'm really excited to see what can happen with it. Cause last year they went out, they built the middle of the infield this year. They go out and they build an actual starting rotation. Like, and they've got prospects that are, pretty highly touted prospects, both hitting or uh, hitting prospects and pitching prospects. Like this is a team that could really surprise some people this year. Um, yeah. So I'm incredibly excited to see that. And I think Avaldi is, is a perfect kind of second half of your rotation guy for this team. Just off the like, top of your head. Do you think the Rangers starting rotation is maybe top five in the American league? Is that crazy to say? Okay, so uh, let's go but through the top five again. Just question, so, but, yeah. so it's it's Degrom, it's John Gray, it's John Gray, Martin Perez, uh, Martin Perez, Nate Avaldi, Andrew, Andrew Heaney, Andrew Heaney. I don't, I don't know. Top five, it it really depends on how that second half of the rotation pans out. Like if Martin Perez comes back to earth and gives up the long ball as often as he can and Andrew Heaney kind of just stays injured, then no. But if those guys can have any semblance of their season last year, yeah, I think this is very easily a top five rotation in the AL. Yeah, I think that's fair. And the one thing I will say, I mean, I've been speaking, you know, giving them a lot of credit here, but it's very high variance because of how injury prone their entire staff is. You're talking about DeGrom, John Gray, Evaldi, and Heaney, who always are injured, basically. So there's a chance they're all injured again. And then what are you left with? A very bad rotation. Yeah, and at some point, we're going to see Cole win. At some point, we're going to see... Uh, who Leiter. are some of these? Yeah, Jack Leiter. Do you Omar think we'll Rocker. see Jack Leiter this year? Uh, it's a There's a chance, I would say. Because it kind of feels to me that like he had kind of a down year last year. So I feel like it would take a little bit more to get to see him this year. But I, I know Cole Wynn is basically ready. Um, they've got a couple other pitchers that they've got depth. Actually, they've got ready. Dane Dunning, Glenn Otto, Cole Reagan, Spencer Howard. I mean, they actually have built a little bit of depth here. Those guys aren't necessarily like number two starters, but they can probably start at the major league level. Some of them. That's fair. And, and Spencer Howard, I actually really want to see what they can do with him because uh, when he was in Philly, like he just, he didn't quite live up to his prospect status out there, but he didn't get a whole bunch or a big shot. It was about a half season of him starting. And then he got shipped off in the deal that brought in. Uh, oh, shoot. Kyle Gibson. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, because because um, it was Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, and uh, Hans Kraus. Yeah, that's right. So, did I just remember an entire trade from multiple years ago? Nice job. I didn't even remember that oh. one too well. I mean, I remembered it once you mentioned it, but good job. Wow. Proud of me. This is a good day. 
Um, but yeah, this this is a team that just it really, really intrigues me. The AL West this year, I think, just went from being a one horse show two years ago to maybe being a three horse race. Yeah, I would say the Astros so, are still ahead right now. But yeah, I think the other teams like the yeah. the Mariners and the Rangers can at least be competitive in the wild card, if not challenging the Astros pretty soon. Yeah. Like it's it's hard to surpass the Astros as the favorite in that division. But I do think this this is gonna be the most competition that they've had in a while. So uh okay, the last well, maybe not the last, because I got one more that I want to ask you about uh, about after this. But let's talk a little bit about the big, big move that happened. And that was a trade between the Toronto Blue Jays and the Arizona Diamondbacks. And this is a trade that saw Dalton Varsho going to the Toronto Blue Jays, presumably to become a full-time outfielder um, in exchange for one year of Yuli Gurriel, or not Yuli, sorry, one year of Lourdes Gurriel, um, and basically a full six years of uh, Gabby Moreno to be the catcher of the future for the Diamondbacks. Uh, I know you did a little um, breakdown of it the other day that uh, was here on our um, TikTok, you, uh, YouTube shorts, whatever. But in two sentences or less, who won this trade and why? I can't give a winner. Like I love this trade because it's not like regular trades where one team is selling off like a good player from their team and, and trying to get better for the future than the team that receives the good players, maybe like giving up a little bit of their, you know, minor league depth or whatever. Like the Sean Murphy trade is a perfect example of that. The A's and the um, Braves, one team trades their established major leaguer. They get back a bunch of prospects in return. Uh, that's how like 75% of trade to work. I feel like this one is really interesting because both teams are trying to win right now. And they're both trading from their depth. Uh, basically, the, the Diamondbacks had like five different left-handed outfielders. They needed to trade one. Um, and the Blue Jays had a bunch of catchers, and they needed to trade one. So it was kind of a match like that. And Plus, the Blue like Jays it. get a left-handed bat that actually has a little bit of power, unlike Kevin Kiermaier. Mm -hmm. They'll have really good defense, I think. Um, and then... You've got to love it for the, the Diamondbacks as well because they get a catcher who's got like all-star upside, really great defensive catcher, makes a lot of contact. Uh, and then Guriel, who's been a good player for quite a while now. He just had kind of a down year with injuries and stuff. So I don't know. I can't pick a winner. So I would say just off looking at the names and knowing how many years you get those guys, it feels like the Diamondbacks won this. And the only reason I'm saying that is because somehow they gave up four years of our show, which is a lot to give up. Don't get me wrong. Four years of our show is a lot, but you get six years of a young, really high upside catcher and one year of a really solid um, offensive outfielder that one, the Yankees are incredibly interested in flip him to the Yankees, get some prospects. Um, because Guriel is not going to make or break this team this year. So, and you've only got him for one year. So, flip him, get someone else that can come up next year and, and help this team succeed here in two years, three years. But, like, I don't know. It, it just, it, I thought it was weird that there was not like a low level prospect going with Farsho. I think that's the only thing that kind of confused me. It just seemed like the Diamondbacks got a little bit more than what they gave up, but it fit both teams perfectly. Yeah, I feel like I would have done this trade just Varsho for Moreno straight up. That would have been like fine. The fact that they got yeah. Guriel too is like pretty nice. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of my point is like somehow instead of doing an even swap of two guys who. It, yeah, one of them still a lottery ticket. He's a prospect that hasn't really done much at the majors. He's played in what, 15 games. He's got like 70 at bats or something. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Varsho only has four years left, only four years. Um, then you get Guriel. That's, that's huge. 
Mm-hmm. Like, he'll replace Cole Calhoun and be an improvement over him. And Cole Calhoun might actually still be there. I'm not even sure. But... Cole Calhoun was on the Rangers last year. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, well, they just had a hole out there last year then. So... No, they've got they've got a ton of outfielders, and that's kind of where they traded from from their. Well, depth. they did trade Cooper Hummel though. Yeah, but they remember they've got, they've got Alec Kyle Thomas, Lewis back. They've got Kyle Lewis. They've got um, Alec Thomas. They've got Corbin Carroll. They've got Jake McCarthy. They've got lots of outfielders. That's true. So, yeah, but no, this was a this was a really interesting trade. I'm. I'm I'm excited to see how that pans out. I think the Blue Jays just got so much better, too. Oh, yeah. Because I, I think Varsho is better than Guriel, and you get him for four years. So I'd be pretty happy with that. All right, the last one until we get to our main topic here. This is not a done deal, but I know you're incredibly excited about it, so I want to talk about it. Eric Hosmer oh, God. is close to an agreement. With the Chicago Cubs. You have been asking for Eric Hosmer to get traded. Excuse me. Traded to the Cubs for years. Yeah, but that was if he was to be attached to a really good prospect from the Padres. And now it's just Eric Hosmer. I mean, I'm sure he's going to sign basically like for the veteran minimum, whatever that may be, because he's already making all the money from the Padres for his remaining like three years of his deal or whatever. Um, I guess like he's fine. He's an, he's a league average hitter. He like, you know, whatever, but (laughs) he, he's just, he can't be the only thing that the Cubs do here. They still have a need to add two more actually good bats to the lineup. If Hawks is the only thing, Matt Mervis, Matt Mervis is already probably better than Eric Hosmer at this point. So if he's just kind of like the contingency plan in the case that Matt Mervis is not ready for the major leagues at the beginning of the season or something, or he really struggles, like that's fine, but they need to add more. Um, yeah, but I, I just thought something it was very funny, funny from, from Eric Hosmer's season last year, which if you look at just the season long numbers, you kind of see like, Oh, he was, uh, he was like, he had an OPS plus of 108. He was just a little bit above league average. When you start looking a little bit into the splits, you notice that in March and April, he hit 389, 457, 597. And basically the rest of the year, he hit about like 235. So he, he rode two hot weeks at the beginning of the season to a league average line. There's a very good chance that, that we've seen the best of Eric Hosmer. And it's all downhill from here. We saw the best of Eric Hosmer before he left the Royals. Yeah, exactly. Just saying. Yeah. No, I just thought it was really funny that, like, you've wanted this to happen for years because it was going to be a salary dump and they were going to have to give up prospects to get rid of him. And now they're willingly taking him on. And then as soon as there is nothing else attached and you don't get any benefit whatsoever, now they're in on him. It's like, how? It makes no sense, but whatever. All right, so what do you say we get talking about our main topic today? Let's do New Year, New Me. New Year, New Me. It is 2023. Uh, Galtham and I sat down here uh, last week uh, on a retreat in his house in Chicago. Um, It was a retreat. It was great. Uh, we kind of put together some goals for the podcast for the year. And there's a couple of them that we wanted to kind of share with you guys, because we do have plans to uh, really increase um, the podcast to kind of a a, a new level. So last year, we were just kind of gaining our footing. We had just kind of been talking into a microphone. The quality was really not good from an audio standpoint. I listened back to episode one the other day and the, the content, what we were saying, I liked it. The uh, sound was just bad. Oh my God. I, hmm, I wish I could go and touch it up, but I don't know how. Um, But yeah, so that was our first year, just trying to figure out what we're doing, trying a whole bunch of stuff. 
Um, and then year two, we really stepped it up production wise and got to a point where I think we're both really, really proud of the content that we're putting out. Right. Yeah. So now is time to take that content that we're proud of and get it out there to the masses. So we're trying to build a community out of getaway day this year. So we've started getting um, some pretty regular viewers here um, that watch the live chat and um, you guys know who you are and we really, really appreciate it. Uh, we finally got a consistent like 10 listeners across Spotify and all that. We've got a consistent couple views on YouTube. Well, we want to make that grow. So we are planning on increasing our content output. Uh, if you've noticed on our TikTok, our uh, YouTube shorts and our Insta Instagram reels, we've been trying to put out a video a day, uh, sometimes two, um, and trying to just get more content out there to more people. Um, we're planning on using our Twitter a little bit more, uh, trying to do some polls and actually get people to interact with that. Um, and if we can get people interacting with our Twitter, we might somehow incorporate that into some of the episodes of the podcast. Maybe do a poll beforehand, talk about it, or talk about something and then put a poll up about the episode from the week before. No idea. But we really want to reach more fans. And so anything that you guys can do to help kind of get our um, content out there, we'd very much appreciate it. Just giving us a like on um, all those videos on, on YouTube, uh, Instagram, whatever. That puts us in the algorithm and gets more people to see us. So we'd very, very much appreciate that. Um, so that's kind of my New Year's resolutions for the podcast. I don't know, Gally, if there's anything that you want to say to add to that. Uh, I know I hit the main points that we wanted to talk about. but Definitely hit the main points. I think, yeah, we just want to continue to improve. I think uh, we're, we're making strides every episode. We feel like we are. And, um, you know, your feedback would be appreciated as well. We love hearing from you guys and want to make this as, as good as it can be. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of our resolutions for the year and we've got a whole bunch more goals, but I won't bore you with those cause they're more nitpicky. Um, but it got us thinking, surely some of these teams, players, the league as a whole have some new year's resolutions this year, right? New year, new us. Let's kind of talk about them. Um, so Gowie, I've got a resolution for MLB as a whole. I don't know if you've got one, but uh, I really, really want MLB this year to try and be transparent. Like last year, I think last year's season was awesome. Like we had Albert coming back to St. Louis. We had Judge just absolutely going off. We had Otani doing Otani things every day. We have Mike Trout missing a significant portion of the season and still hitting 40 bombs. Like we saw a lot of cool stuff last year, right? Definitely. And then it comes out that there were three baseballs used throughout the year right after we dejuiced the ball and we were being very consistent with what we're putting out there. Some of the balls they were using were from the, the juiced era. Some were the new balls and some were something in between. And Major League Baseball said that they used two. It was found out there were three. And they won't just tell us what they're doing. We all want baseball to be fun. We want to enjoy it. If they're trying to increase something to make us enjoy it, just tell us. If you want to see more home runs, just tell us. We would love to see them too. Like, yeah. just be transparent. It just feels really weird that Manfred is just keeping everything under lock and key for seemingly no reason. Yeah, I think that that's a great resolution for MLB, and I'll just continue on with the same resolution. Uh, so... MLB is making a whole bunch of rule changes this year. We will see how the, they play out over the course of the season. I just like to, like, I don't know if those rule changes are good for the game of baseball. They're clearly the decisions that MLB has come up with um, that appear to be like, they, they believe that those changes are going to be serving their league in some way, but it would be nice to know, what is the rationale behind the changes? Like, I don't really know exactly what they're going for here. It would be nice to know where is this sport heading? We don't know. 
Yeah, and it seems like baseball has done a really good job here in the last couple of years of bringing in some of the former players that are really well respected to have somewhat of a say in the game. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. is a uh, what an assistant to the commissioner or something like a special advisor to the commissioner. Uh, we've got some other players that are in the same or similar situations. Theo Epstein or Epstein. Uh, is coming in and he's kind of the guy in charge of the rule changes. Theo's a really well-respected GM. He's had a lot of ideas for a lot of years on how to improve the game. And he's the guy tasked with doing this. But yeah, it just kind of feels like they did a whole bunch of stuff in the minors. And like, if you went and watched a game, maybe you'd see some stuff, but like they've got a whole bunch of data about what changed and how it affected stuff. So why don't we kind of publish that? And kind of make it more public knowledge what we're changing and why. Because I would love to see baseball incorporate small ball a little bit more. Maybe not bunting, but like station to station and then a home run as opposed to all these solo shots, whatever. If some of these changes are helping improve that to make a more... um a more full game where you're getting to see all the different aspects of baseball. Fantastic. Show me how we're doing it. Show me what it's affecting and how much closer we think we're going to get. Like, why are we hiding that? So. Yep. Totally agree. But, all right. So that was my first resolution. What do you got? Who, who do you have a resolution for next? I got a resolution for the Boston Red Sox and specifically Heim Bloom, the GM, who, uh, yes. Is it try not to suck? (laughs) Yeah, it's try not to suck at um, extending one of your franchise players. So they traded Mookie Betts to the Dodgers. Uh, They got a very lackluster return. They didn't trade Xander Bogarts and let him get away to the San Diego Padres this, this offseason. They've got one more star left, and his name is Rafael Devers. Today, he actually agreed to a um, one-year deal to buy out his last year of arbitration, $17.5 million, um, but no long-term contract yet. So the resolution for the Red Sox is to extend Rafael Devers or trade him now before um, they – before he loses value, if they trade him midseason, or they completely don't get any return at all, if he just makes it to to the off season without an extension, and he he can go talk with twenty nine other teams and go sign another deal, because they brought in Bloom to um, kind of run this team like they're the Rays. He's from the Rays. They've been so um, careful about all their signings. They're getting outbid by the Rays for guys like Zach Eflin, which is just mind-boggling stuff that they're the Boston Red Sox and are getting outbid by one of the cheapest franchises in the league. Uh, and, but they're the also, and they're also failing at what that team is really good at, which is raising prospects. Right, yeah. So <laughs> they're, not, they're not like putting together the, the good parts of the raise. They're, they're just being stingy and uh, not really developing young players either. So it's, it's time, it's time to extend Rafael Devers or trade him. Yeah. And I, I think I'm kind of on the extend train because they need to learn from past mistakes. Like I I don't think Devers really wants to stay. And to be honest, I don't want him to have to stay in that situation. But if we're going a full like resolution, if I'm the Red Sox, my resolution would be, extend our star period Absolutely. we have, they've been so bad at doing that like they let bets get away they let bogarts get away they traded babe ruth for cash <laughs> like this is a team that historically for a hundred years just lets their stars get away big poppy's the only one that that stayed really yeah. like i i can't like jacoby ellsbury went to the yankees afterwards like there's all these guys that were really, really good in Boston and then left. Get it done. Get the guy. Have your franchise player and build around him. That is what they need to be doing. He's going to end up leaving, and then Bobby Dahlbeck, Manning first base, is going to be their star. 
Like that's kind of what I see happening now. And Dahlbeck is a fine player, but he's not what he was cracked up to be. So like, I don't know. They, they need to get it done. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have much else to add just that, um, maybe it is a good sign that he did actually sign uh, a contract today because that means that the, the sides are agreeing at least on one thing, which is his value for this upcoming season. So that's a good like first step. Maybe that means that he can agree to a extension, but re- remains to be seen. We'll see. Yeah. Um, all right. So I want to, I'm actually going to skip one in, in the list here. Uh, so, I want to make a resolution for the St. Louis Cardinals and, and not really the team specifically the broadcast team. So as you guys may know, there's been some, some issues with the Cardinals broadcast team and I'm not going to get into to all that because Dan McLaughlin has got some, um, some health issues and some mental health issues that he's been working through for about 12 years now. Um, and so I'm not going to say anything bad about him because that's, a difficult situation for him, his family, everyone involved. Um, but the Cardinals are kind of sitting here at a crossroads. They've just lost their uh, longtime bro- or uh, play-by-play guy for, for the TV broadcasts. Uh, and then on top of that, they're still putting out Jim Edmonds, who has to apologize seemingly every couple weeks on air uh, for things that he said. So I think it's time that the Cardinals go out and they basically start from scratch with the broadcast team and build a product that can last for 50 years like Mike Shannon did. Or And so I don't know who it's going to be. I would love to see a guy like Rick Horton come back from radio to TV and become the play-by-play guy because uh, he's been doing play-by-play on radio for a while. He was really good on TV. Or they need to go outside entirely, find someone to come in and take over that role but this is a uh, an organization that is is popular and um, successful as they are because of the reach that they had. They basically run the entire Central South um, as far as baseball fandom goes. Um, Arkansas, Louisiana, Alabama, like all those states tend to be Cardinals fans because KMOX was broadcast out there. So they really need to do the right thing and get the right guy for their broadcast team. Um, to replace Dan McLaughlin, who was beloved as a broadcaster. But it is time after three DUIs that he steps away to take care of himself and his family. And then the Cardinals need to do this right. So that's my resolution. I don't know if you have anything to say to that, but. All right, we'll move on. What do you got? Uh, <laughs> Fernando Tatis. All right. The uh, resolution for Fernando Tatis um, is to, you know, focus on baseball. And that one's like, it's it's tough to like talk about this kind of stuff because I'm all for people in any profession, you know, doing things outside of work, having their own hobbies and things. But the things that Fernando Tatis seems to have like gotten away from uh, his profession and whatever he's been doing outside of work is not uh, helping him able to do his job the right way. Uh, motorcycle accidents are not are not a good thing for baseball players, anyone really, but they really make it difficult to play baseball if you're getting hurt um, on your motorcycle. Obviously, the PED, PED suspension is going to affect the beginning of this season, and it's really affected his public image not that that's like the most important thing but right now he needs to just get back to playing baseball focusing on baseball and um if he does that he's going to be great because he's so talented um i have no doubt that he can get back to being the player that he was he just kind of needs to put his head down and, and do his job right now yeah i he's got a lot of uh a lot of relationships to repair there in the clubhouse at the Padres as well. So um, he's a really fun player to watch on the field. But yeah, he needs to buckle down, get all that figured out, kind of repair his relationships there, and focus on baseball. Because it, it kind of seems like him being touted as is like the face 
maybe got to his head a little bit. Um, so let's let's buckle down, buddy. All right, I'm also going with a player. I've got a resolution for Cody B. And we talk about Cody Bellinger a lot here. Um, so I'm not really going to get into like what I think is wrong with him, why he's kind of fallen off. But the biggest thing for Cody Bellinger is he needs to be confident in himself. I think that's probably the single biggest issue. Like we've talked about how he's had a whole bunch of different swings. We've talked about how he's working on this and that and always tweaking. He doesn't seem to be confident. And I think that is kind of the crux of it. Like, if you're not confident in what you're doing, you're not going to succeed. He's now got a chance to go to the Cubs to play center field every day for them and reset his career. Like, he's got MVP potential. He's already won one. He won a rookie of the year. Like, this is a guy that can do it when he's confident. So my, my resolution for Cody B is just believe in yourself, dude. Be confident. You got this. You're an MVP. You can do it again. Yeah, that was that was really well said. I think that maybe what he's been lacking these last couple of years, and and maybe that's paired with the injury struggles that he's had. He just hasn't been able to trust his body to do the things that he used to be able to do when he was the MVP guy. So maybe time is healing his physical wounds, but getting to uh, play in Wrigley Field probably like a lot lower stress than what he's been doing. I mean, it's obviously he's still going to be stressful, but you know what I mean? Like he, he'll get, he has the runway here to um, change people's like perspective on him. And, and he can relaunch his career here now and be an awesome free agent next winter. um, To be be honest, if he does well this year, he might not be a free agent. He might get extended. Like he seems like a guy that if he does well in Wrigley, that you would want to keep around. Oh yeah, I'm sure if he has a great season, obviously Cubs fans and the Cubs would want to keep him. But he'll have the chance to go get himself paid. That's true. So. All right, so I have one more team that I have a resolution for, and that is the Kansas City Royals. And, and this is a pretty simple resolution. Don't accept mediocrity. This is a team that for years now has been uh, less than stellar. Um, I think that's the nice way to say it, right? Less than stellar. Probably. God awful. Yeah. Pretty like, terrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, they went out and when Ned Yost retired, they replaced him with Mike Matheny. Mike Matheny got fired from the Cardinals for kind of underperforming, yada, yada, yada. Uh, They lost all of their big players that got them to a World Series championship in 2015. Um, Guys like Mike Moustakis, guys like Eric Hosmer, Alex Gordon retired after, I think, 2017 or 18. Um, And so they kind of lost their entire core. And since then, they've kind of just not really known how to get back to that. They've had these prospects, uh, especially the the pitching prospects like Jackson Cowar, Brady Singer, Daniel Lynch, uh, Chris Bubich, Cesar Hernandez. Like they've had a lot of highly touted pitching prospects and none of them have really panned out yet. And we're now at like year three or four for some of them. Um, they've not gone out and signed free agents, really. They're kind of just accepting mediocrity, waiting for something to happen, waiting for a guy to pop off, a guy like Bobby Witt Jr. But if Bobby Witt pops off, but no one else does, you're just wasting his best years. So mediocrity is no longer acceptable for the Kansas City Royals, and they need to go into 2023 with that mindset. They have a new manager this year. I don't remember who it is. Yeah, so they have a new GM uh, JJ Piccolo and they, and he hired a new manager, Matt Quattraro, very hard name to say. Uh, but that's at least I'm turning a new leaf and I completely agree. And I want to just go back to the pitching thing. I think in 2023, the Royals need to see some positive steps forward in the pitching department because it's not from a lack of talent. They have a bunch of first round pitchers on their team. And none of them seem to have panned out at all. That that can't be like an accident. 
it, it's because they just do not seem like they know how to develop pitchers. Brady Singer actually had a pretty good second half last year, so maybe that's something to build on, and they got to have more of that. And they have talent even on the offensive side beyond Bobby Witt. Like they have MJ Melendez, they got Michael Massey, I mean, Vinny Pasquantino. I mean, they have a whole bunch of guys that have the makings of this team being actually good, but they need to develop. Yeah. And, and I think that's the biggest thing is like the last couple guys that they brought up trying to develop their Alberto Mondesi's their um, Nicky Lopez, like yeah. they're okay players. They're nothing special, but it, it just kind of seems like they were brought up in the um, mindset of the Royals are a last place team. And that's kind of all that the Royals have been able to do since. Like, I think having the new manager, having a new GM, having just new, uh, a new outlook on the season can help propel this team to not a first place finish. That's not in the cards for 2023. Uh, if it is, I would love to be wrong. Um, but this is a team that could very easily take a couple big steps forward this year to being a competitive team and get them back into the playoffs here in two years, three years. So I would love to see that change in, in mindset from the coaching staff, the players, and even the fans, and just no longer accept the mediocrity that the Royals have been since 2016. So, All right, you got any more resolutions for us? I do not think so. All right, well... That is kind of all that we had for resolutions. If you guys have any resolutions for your favorite team or your favorite player, please let us know on our Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, wherever, um, at Getaway Day Pod. We would love to hear your thoughts. Maybe we'll talk about them next week if we see a couple good ones. Um, so, yeah, if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to like and subscribe uh, on all your favorite podcasting apps and YouTube. On YouTube, you do have to hit the notification bell and the subscribe button to make sure that you get notification of every new episode and video that we post. Uh, we've been increasing our output on TikTok uh, and Instagram reels as well, so make sure to follow us there at Getaway Day Pod. I think that's it. So thank you very much for hanging out with us here today. We're looking forward to some big stuff here in 2023, and we look forward to seeing you next week. If you enjoy this episode, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or YouTube so that you never miss a future episode. On YouTube, you got to hit that subscribe button and that little notification bell to get notifications. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Getaway Day Pod.